If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. And eventually we're going to get to 1 John chapter 2. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10. And this is something that the Lord has laid on my heart 10 years ago. And this is the first opportunity I finally got to minister. This is, this is a big honor for me, y'all. So this is, this is my sigh where God says, go get them. And I love it. This is 10 years in the making, and you'll understand why here in just a moment. But uh, being a pastor for the last 20 years, I have encountered a lot of people. I, uh, a lot of problems, a lot of issues, a lot of tissues. And I can honestly say that it's been my strong point because God has gifted me to look into that person and find the quality, the gift that God has given them and pull it out of them. It takes some time. It's like a farmer cultivating the ground and planting the seed and watering and preparing. But I can honestly say that every one of you are gifted and talented. You've got something buried deep on the inside of you. Some of you have discovered it. God has just exposed it. You can't help it. It's bigger than you are. But tonight, some of you are going to have an encounter with a real you. I'm here to introduce you to who God knows you are. You're a mystery to yourself. Some of you have even gone around asking, Lord, what am I here for? What is my purpose? <laughs> Isn't that everybody asking that? Uh, I'm going to sum it up tonight. Now, this is going to be elementary, but it is a lot of information I'm going to give you tonight. So I want you to put your thinking caps on. I've been a teacher also as far as well as pastoring. I've always substituted. And then I also, uh, Angel and I moved to Akron, Ohio for uh, three years and opened up a Christian private school. So we had the opportunity to head that up, birth it, see it grow into a great success. And we were the teachers as well. So I've got a lot of teacher in me. So tonight I'm going to go teacher on you if that's all right. And my favorite phrase was, there's going to be a test at the end, too. You laugh, there's going to be a test at the end. I'm a teacher, what do you say? I'm going to give you a lot of information. I want you to take it in. You're going to need notes, I guarantee it. Um, but I want you to understand the summary of all of this is to tell you, you are significant. You are so gifted and talented, but you haven't discovered it yet. And I want to help you discover that tonight. I have a coffee cup that was given to me as a gift. Somebody realized I needed it, maybe to motivate me. And on that, it has a mosquito. And then there's a quote. If you think you're too small to be effective, you've never been in bed with a mosquito. <laughs> I, have you ever been in bed with a mosquito? You beat yourself up. That little monster causes you to go hysterical. One little thing can make you go ballistic. Hurting yourself, killing yourself, <laughs> hurting whoever's in the bed with you because you're just trying to swat that thing and get it off. It is a crazy little thing that can cause such a disturbance. I want to talk to you tonight about the atomic church. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work again. This scripture summarized simply means that you're belittling yourself when God is ready to praise you to see you discover who you really are. God's ready to praise you on. He's ready to get up there and have all of heaven look in your direction and say, you go, boy. Once you discover what you're really made for and what you're made of and how unstoppable you are. I'll get to 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 in just a moment. But I want to set up a video for you so that you can understand where God has taken me over the last 10 years to arrive at this point. The year was 1945. Violence and death covered the earth as World War II raged on. While the Japanese Empire stormed across the globe wreaking havoc, one country was finalizing a plan of attack to end the war of all wars. 
The United States of America's sense of urgency was heightened and was ready to take a stand against the tyranny and stop the enemy cold in its tracks. In addition to urgency, America's foundational beliefs were secure, plans were prepared, and troops were aligned and armed for ultimate victory. The once-attacked victim was now prepared to be the world's greatest victor. And on August 6, 1945, a B-29 bomber called the Enola Gay began her mission to drop the first atomic bomb over Hiroshima, Japan. And the results were world-changing. I want you to watch the video. nation could bring the war to an end and give peace to the world and offer healing hands to its tortured peoples, America rose to the occasion. The Enola Gay was packing one of the mightiest atomic weapons in the world called the Little Boy. At 9.15 a.m., Little Boy dropped away falling at a velocity faster than the speed of sound. While descending, an inescapable calculated process began. A neutron traveling 3,000 feet per second, collided with a uranium-235 atom generating a catastrophic chain reaction. To maximize the full effect, the bomb detonated in midair about 1,800 feet above Hiroshima. Before it hit the ground, the blast destroyed walls 12 inches thick, leveled trees and homes, and dis disintegrated rocks into ash heaps. Little Boy's explosion produced a blast equaling more than 20,000 tons of TNT, creating a fireball with a core temperature equal to the burn heat of the sun's core temperature. Now, heat travels at the sound of light. So immediately, the Enola Gay began its escape maneuver. So 11 and a half miles from the detonation point and nearly one minute after the explosion, the flying fortress was rocked by the shock wave traveling directly out of the massive mushroom cloud. Then seconds later, it was struck by a second, weaker shock wave reflected from the ground. The mushroom cloud, which had climbed to 40,000 feet, was visible from the plane for almost an hour and a half, finally being lost from sight about 363 miles from Hiroshima. Little Boy's power was comprised and harnessed in one tiny atom, 
Who would have known that a microscopic speck could rid the world of tyranny? When that overlooked, inconspicuous atom is placed in the hands of an intelligent creator, in the right place, with the right conditions, it can be an unstoppable force against oppression. I want to talk to you tonight that we are the weapons of mass salvation for the world. We're the atomic church. All the power that is harnessed in an atom, everything around us is made up of atoms. The seat, even yourself, made up of billions and billions and billions of atoms. Atoms are incredibly small. They're more than a million times smaller than the thickness of a human hair. And the smallest atom speck ever seen under a microscope still contained more than 10 billion atoms. Incredible. I want to show you this picture up here of what is called bacterial flagellum. Post that up there, gentlemen, would you? This is a cell, ladies and gentlemen, with over 40 working parts. Scientists under microscopes were able to take this picture, and there are 40 moving mechanical parts in this atom. It is used to transport information between atoms. It has a tail that operates like a rudder of a boat, and it just moves and bumps into atom after atom, bringing information to each atom. That's its job. People say there's no such thing as God, an intelligent creator. This right here is all you need to see. There's no way that out of a big bang and chaos that a perfectly item, uh, item, uh, uh, idyllic machine ever just 40 pieces just came together in the size of a microscopic cell. You follow so far? This is incredible. This is proof God is real. No doubt. Every one of us have got a deep atom stored within us that God wants to break. I'm going to talk to you tonight about breaking. Allowing God to just break you. To just say, it's all or nothing, God. I'm tired of holding back. I'm tired of just barely making it through. I'm tired of being mediocre. I'm tired of just taking up space and just existing. God, I want to fulfill my destiny. I want to know what it is you want to use me for. Lord, I want to erupt for you. God's excited for you. We read it in our text. He says that he, he wants you to get to work. He wants you. He's expecting that he's excited to see you do what he's planted inside of you to do. One split atom can produce an explosion of more than 19 tons of TNT. That is more than 56 million sticks of dynamite. One atom. One. A blast wave will travel 12 and a half miles in one minute. That means that if an atomic bomb, one atom was split here in this location, in less than two minutes, Nederland would feel the effects. Some of you already know where I'm going. The rest of you are going to catch up here in a minute. I'm excited, y'all. I'm telling you, I have been living and breathing and praying this for 10 years. And I'm beginning to feel that I'm finally getting to the point where I can erupt for God. Just to say, it's all you, God. I'm getting out of the way. You do whatever you want, Lord. I just want you to take me, break me, use me to bring a breakthrough for somebody. I, I want God to break in so that then he'll break me down. Then I'll allow him to break out and it'll bring three people to their breakthrough. <laughs> That's the formula that God wants to do in every one of us. He's ready, for, he's ready to use us in these last days to do some of the most amazing works, miracles, signs, wonders, and just being able to witness and bring somebody to the Lord. That is great. We go to church every Wednesday, every Sunday, and we sit there and we go through the praise and worship. And what do we do? We wait for someone else to do it. 
We wait for somebody else to break out into a praise, a laugh, a dance, a shout. We wait for somebody else to do it. Can I tell you if just one of you tonight says enough's enough, I've come too far to turn back. I'm tired of living and praising and going to church the way it always is. Lord, break me tonight. Break me open. Break me as far as you can and use me to bring a Holy Ghost move like there's never been before. And if science proves itself in the natural, then the supernatural manifests itself in the natural. Because what we see in the physical actually first started out in the spiritual. So if God says, I have taken a microscopic atom and break it, and catastrophe breaks out where there is everything changes. If I could just get my people to understand this concept... That they say within themselves, but I don't know enough. I'm too little. I'm insignificant. I don't know anybody. I'm not popular. I don't have a talent. I can't sing. I can't teach. I can't serve. I can't usher. I can't pass a bucket. I'm telling you, God says, all you've got to do is let him break you. And you will discover who you are and how powerful he really is. It's, it's been amazing when, when the Lord called me into ministry Angel and I had just gotten married, and we were not serving God, and it was about six months, six months into the marriage, I had a wake-up call because I did something stupid. How many of you ever done something stupid? Mm-hmm. God don't stop loving you. He says, that's it. You got a choice. Now, you can live in that stupid, or you can let me pick you up, clean you up, move you forward, and be never like that again. I said, Lord, I was literally on the floor of our rent house on all fours. I was doing some carpet time. And I prayed through, I repented. I said, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'll do it. Four months later, Angel and I were called into our, uh, our uh, church office by the pastor. It's like going to the principal's office when that happens. We had no clue what we were about to be in for. But we had been praying the whole time for about four months. Lord, just use us. Whatever you want to do with us. We, we just don't want, we can't live like this anymore. We're miserable without you. Use us. So I remember we went to summer camp. Our church had a youth camp up in Lumberton. And we were out there in that hot, just fans blowing. And it was loud and it was hot. Miserable mosquitoes everywhere. But we were having a time. Praise and worship was beautiful. They were taking up the offering. And they played the instrumental how great thou art. And I was sitting there and I was, just re- I was just enjoying the atmosphere. I loved it. I was just in church again. And I felt God. I felt the Holy Spirit. And I knew he was doing something on the inside of me. And I, I sat there and I listened to the song. And growing up in church, I knew the words. And I was thinking them in my head. And it's some how great thou art. And God stopped me and he says, do you know how great I am? I thought God was just asking a nonchalant question. I said, yeah, God, I know how great you are. He said, it's like, it's like God took my face and said, no, boy. And it's like God was looking me in the eyes. Do you really know how great I am? I, I lost it. God began to tell me right then and there that he was going to show me how great he was. That was over 20 years ago, y'all. God has never disappointed me. He has been, just when I think God has gotten to the peak of his greatness, he comes in and shows off some more and takes me to a whole nother level. I'm telling you, it's just the way he does. He has no end. He has no limit. He is measureless in his spirit. And he says, I give the same nature and character to you. And if he will allow a physical atom to be broken and do so much devastation. He says, how much more will I use you? But I was like everybody else at first. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do that. I didn't go to Bible school, y'all. I, I didn't even have a mentor. My pastor just said, you want to be youth pastor? Yeah. We, just went, we didn't know what we were doing. My first illustrated sermon was I smashed sticks on the altar. I don't even know what the message was about. But I had to do something. (laughs) I just took sticks and I looked like a spaz. 
I, the point got across. I think the altar's filled because they thought I was going to turn the stick on them if they didn't come forward. I don't understand. I didn't know what I was doing. But all God required of me was to say yes. Just say yes. I'll do the rest through you. But God, I didn't go to college. You don't need to go to college. You got me. God, I, I've never really spoken in front of people. That's okay. I'll be your voice. Every excuse I came up with, he had a better reason, and I couldn't deny him that. He puts on a pretty good argument, y'all. He's a pretty good debater. So when God says, I'm going to show you great things, he has never disappointed me in 20 years. It just keeps getting sweeter and better and bigger and badder than I've ever imagined him to be. And then he goes and lowers this boom. And he tells me, tell everybody that they have a supernatural atom deep within them that is going to change the atmosphere wherever they walk. And it doesn't have to be just moment after moment. It doesn't have to be just periodically once in a while. I'm telling you, when you wake up in the morning, you can already erupt. You follow? You can go ahead and just say, devil, you're in trouble this morning. I have not even put my feet on the ground, but the moment I do, I'm putting my feet on the nap of your neck because God's got something great for me to do today. That's it. That's how it works. When the little boy went off, there was a great atomic blast. You saw the catastrophe of the walls and the trees and even the people just annihilated. Annihilated. And then after all of that, there was a fallout that lasted so much longer than the initial blast. There was a fallout. Ground zero is affected the most, but the most impact is also felt at great distances. If an atom bomb were dropped in Chicago, people in London, England would feel some of the effects. That's from one atom, y'all. One tiny microscopic atom. My point here tonight is for, to, to tell God's people, stop belittling yourself. Stop talking yourself out of miracles. Stop talking yourself and excusing yourself from greatness. You are destined for greatness, church. You are more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer because he overcame. Why should we shy away from the enemy and his vain threats? Why should we walk on eggshells around others that don't want to listen to the gospel? I'm telling you, you won't even have to open your mouth when God breaks you. You won't even have to say a word because there's going to be a Holy Ghost fallout that just comes all out of you. Every pore is going to ooze greatness. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it tonight. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm having me a good time. Oozing out of every pore was something so great. Can I tell you this? That when you study certain characters in the Bible... You wonder, what did they have that I don't have? We read about the prophet Elisha. He had just died. He was thrown into an open burial hole. They hadn't even had a chance to put the dirt over his body. When another group of soldiers, carrying a dead soldier from a battle throws him on top of Elisha's dead corpse. <laughs> oh, some of you already got it. Come on and get it with me. Come on. They threw a dead body on the prophet's dead corpse. He was dead, cold, in the ground. But what was happening? Some power was emanating still because you can't control the power of God. Not even death can conquer it. The soldiers sprung back to life because there was something emanating from the prophet's dead corpse. How is it that whenever Peter's shadow passed over the sick, he didn't even have to touch them. He didn't even have to look at them. He didn't even have to speak. 
just the shadow passing over the sick made them whole. What was it? It was the power. They allowed God to break them and out of their being come rivers of living water that could not be stopped. Jesus says those rivers is the spirit of God. I'm telling you there is a Holy Ghost anointing that is reigning in each side of you. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says, But you have an anointing. The King James Version calls it unction. But it says you have an anointing. You have an unction from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. Deep inside, every one of you realize there's something special in me. I just haven't tapped it yet. God's going to tap that tonight. I'm telling you, I feel it in this house. you got to get ready. You're about to erupt, and your world is about to change because greater is he that is in you than anything that comes against you. You have an anointing. He, God is making a declaration. He's not putting a question mark. You have an anointing? You have an unction? It's not placed that way. God is declaring to the writer, you have an anointing. You have an unction to function. But some of you have lost that unction. Some of you once had the unction. Once burned with a holy fire. Once prayed and interceded and prayed through and led people to the Lord. But somehow that flame has just started burning back down into an ember. Just barely glowing. When you look up the word unction, it actually means a burning ember laying dormant, waiting for a wind to blow it back into an inferno. I won't let that sink in a moment. You spiritual ones will get that. God says you have an anointing. It may be just a slight, barely burning ember, but he says, I am the wind that is about to blow into your life. And I'm going to bring that dying ember back into the raging inferno of passion, of drive, of ambition, and influence that you used to be. You hear that? That's a promise from our Father. He says, I don't want to see you lying dormant. I don't want the anointing to go bl blank in your life. I want to see you raging like a fire, lighting up the darkness. That's your purpose. You need to know that you're anointed to do great things in Jesus' name. You don't realize the power you possess. Gideon's chapter 6, great story. I can relate to Gideon. This is where I was 20 years ago. If you don't know the story of Gideon, go start in, Gideon, in Judges chapter 6. You're going to read about a very obscure young man that was just living up in the mountains in the cave, just grinding just enough wheat to get him and his family by while the enemy was down in the valley running and controlling and stealing all the crops and had God's people in their chains. An angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and Gideon was stunned. And he wasn't stunned by the visitation of the angel. He was stunned by what the angel said. The angel said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Gideon did a double take. You talking to me? That's what we do when God says, I got something great you're about to do. Lord, you can't be talking to me. Gideon had the same response. He says, but God, I am certainly not a mighty man of valor. Can I tell you this? God is so great that whatever God says, it comes into being. Oh, some of you are going to get that later. If God says that chair, is that black or purple? I'm colorblind. If God came to this church and pointed to that chair and says, that's a nice yellow chair, because he spoke it, it would turn yellow. So when the angel of the Lord spoke into Gideon's life, he was obscure, forgotten, and overlooked. But once the angel made the declaration you are a mighty man of valor. It was over. Gideon's life was about to change. He didn't feel it instantly. He couldn't even understand it. He started making excuses. I, I'm the youngest of my family. 
My father has no clout. My family's name is not important. We don't have money. How can I be the savior of all these people? (laughs) You must be joking. How many of you have actually just looked at God and said, yeah, right, Lord. Yeah, sure. I think you mean the house next door because it surely can't be me. God is looking into your life right now and he is declaring you are mighty. You're an unstoppable force. You are a force to be reckoned with. And the enemy might as well go home because he's about to lose some territory. That's how definite God's declaration in calling you out is all about. But the angel says something very interesting to Gideon, which was a new revelation to him. He tells him, go in the power you possess. He had no clue what the angel was talking about. I don't possess a power. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hiding up here. I'm a coward. I'm hiding in the hills away from the bad people so that I don't have to ever deal with them. And you're asking me to go down and defeat them? God says, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you're going to go down and set them free. Make a long story short. God showed Gideon, and Gideon allowed himself to be broken. In other words, he heard the call of God on his life and said, okay, God, I'm all in. And a million-man army was defeated by 300 men in Gideon's army. You take a microscopic army of 300 and pit them up against the enemy of a million, you're still on the winning team. You take what little you overlook and belittle and allow God to break it, you are not going to be stopped. And your atmosphere, your workplace, schoolhouse, marketplace, neighborhood, homes and family will never be the same again. If you would just allow God to break you. When you study the story of Gideon, it's very interesting Because when Gideon arrived at a breaking point with his small army of 300, and they defeated the million-man army, they were only armed with clay jars, candles, horns, swords, and a shout. 300 came against a million. But the important thing about that story is this. The candles were in the clay jars. The candles weren't even visible to the enemy. And Gideon took a hundred men here and a hundred men here and a hundred men here and he surrounded the million man camp. And he says, on my command, mm, man, I feel this already, on my command, break the jars, raise your swords, and just shout. The moment was right And Gideon says, let's do it, boys. They broke the jars of clay, and the lit candles hidden were now exposed, surrounding the enemy camp. The enemy was startled by the crashing. They saw the light surrounding them. They heard the shouts of victory. They thought they were outnumbered. They began to defeat one another and ran off like cowards. I'm telling you, here's what God showed me. If you would just wait... For my signal, you may be just a jar of clay, but in you I have placed treasure. It is something that is so powerful and magnificent that you're never going to be the same again. Everything around you is going to erupt and be forever changed. And when they broke the jars of clay, their lights began to shine. The shouts of victory went forth. It was then that a million-man army was no match, and they didn't have to raise a sword. Here's the point of the story. God says, I have placed a treasure in earthen vessels. That's you and me. God's word says, I have placed a treasure. That treasure is just for me and you. Nobody is going to try to come and take it. 
God says, if I see the enemy coming to take your calling, to destroy your destiny, I will slide down the cosmos, knocking stars, devils, and demons out of the way to get to you to protect the treasure that I planted in you. Because I know it's that treasure that's going to change the world around you. Every one of us possess this anointing Adam. It's called the anointing Adam. That's why the Bible says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. What? You see how God's calculated this whole thing? He says the Adam that you allow to break in me, I will then send it out to break the other things that are attaching themselves to my people. Inside of an atomic bomb, when that neutron going 3,000 feet per second collides with that one uranium-235 atom, what happens is a chain reaction. And I need you to get this. This is, this is the whole message. A chain reaction takes place. Immediately, that one uranium atom is split when it splits, it bumps into other atoms, and they split. And then those atoms split, and those atoms split. This happens in a billionth of a second. Before you know it, you've got ground that was once indestructible completely laid flat. And the enemy and tyrannical sources are all destroyed. Because if one would just let loose, there would be a chain reaction in the heavens, in the churches, that will break out and begin to energize and get excited about what God is up to. So if one person... This is the message. If just one of us would say, oh, God, let it begin in me. Let it begin in me. I have a 30-minute drive to work every day. And I used to listen to talk radio. And now I just turn it off and listen to God. And I pray to God every morning, Lord, let it begin in me today. Just break out in an uncontrollable way to where I can't help myself. I'm mowing my grass last Thursday, and I'm just pushing the mower, and I'm praying the whole time, Lord, we need a new, fresh move of God in this country. Let it begin in me. Let it begin in me. And I just felt the Lord breaking me open while mowing grass. You could be washing the dishes. You could be just walking in the mall. And God comes and says, it is time. Let's break this jar of clay and let the light shine. And let the power and victorious shout come out. Because people around you are needing freedom from the tyrannical forces that are at play in their life. I'm going I'm to stop with this. I've got more, but I need to stop. Um, Smith Wigglesworth. Everybody familiar with Smith Wigglesworth? Great man of God back at the turn of the century in the 20th century. Over in England had many, many revivals. A lot of miracles. It's said that, there's two stories. It's said in one that he was holding a revival for about a week in a town in England. And he stayed in one of the parishioners' homes. And the wife was a great Christian. The husband was not a believer. But the wife had given the man of God their bed for that week to sleep in. And the revival came to an end. This woman, her husband, still did not know the Lord by the time Smith Wigglesworth was leaving the house. And she begged him, man of God, would you please just stay until my husband gets born again. The man of God did not have very many words to say when he was just one-on-one. -on -one. Publicly, he spoke and declared God's word very powerfully, but one-on-one. -on -one. So he just turned and he quipped to the woman, and he purses his lips the way he, English people do. He says, Madam, don't wash the sheets. They went to bed that night. Woman still weeping and praying for her husband, just still regretting the lost moments. Lord, it's over. My husband's never going to get to know the Lord now. The man of God is gone. But while they were getting ready, the man kept stirring. He kept tossing and turning. And he finally got his wife up a few hours later and he said, honey, I can't go. I can't, I can't feel anything but fire all over me. She immediately recognized that was the anointing that was left on those sheets. And that was the power of God reaching down into that man's life saying, I'm going to change you tonight. And right there, that woman laid her hands on her husband and led him to the Lord. What was it? 
It was something that emanated out of that man of God. It wasn't the sweat. It wasn't the drool. It wasn't anything. It was just the supernatural that spilled out of Smith Wigglesworth onto the fabric of the sheets. Another time he was riding in a train car, and the train cars back then had seats that would face one another. So he was facing looking that way, and there was a lot of people facing and looking at him this way. He read his Bible most of the time on that trip. He had his head down. He didn't pay attention to many things going on. But once in a while, he would look up and look around, and there was one individual that was opposite him several rows, and the individual just kept glaring at him. But Smith Wigglesworth was not going to be moved. He kept reading his Bible, and again, later, the man kept glaring at him. He read his Bible. Again, the man glared. He went right back to Bible reading. The next time he looked up from his Bible, the man was not in his seat. He was on the floor kneeling right in front of Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth says, sir, what can I do for you? And he says, I have been watching you the whole trip, and you have something I want. I need to know this Jesus, whoever he is. And Smith Wigglesworth laid his hands on the man, led him to the Lord right there. When they were done with the prayer, they look up, and the whole middle aisle is lined up with people who wanted to know the Lord. What is it? What is it that makes those kind of things happen? It's people who simply says, God, I'm ready. Break me. Use me. When I go to the restaurant... Lord, just let something come out of me that I have no control over. When I walk into the hospitals, this is my prayer. When I walk into the hospitals, before I even get into the hospital room, I'm already knowing God's gone before me. That the power in me has already gone long before me, preparing any heart and any life that I was about to touch. We know something great happened on the Isle of the Gadarenes. A demon-possessed man living in the tombs, cutting himself, living in chains. He was a miserable, demon-possessed man. But something happened when Jesus placed just one foot on the island. Some power emanated from Jesus. And when he set foot on that island, power reverberated all the way and found that man out. So strong was the compelling that Jesus didn't even have time to approach him there. The man was driven. And it was all about the demons that were driving him. That the demons were subject to the power that had just arrived. So whenever we walk into places... Once you get a hold of this message, when you walk into a place, you are no longer walking in the place. It's Jesus himself walking in the place. That's the reason I have this unbelievable faith that colleges don't have to stay so atheistic as they are today. Our classrooms can return to studying God's word and allowing the prayer, the pledge to the flag, and other things to be mentioned without it being just crossed off as irreverent to other people. I believe that our Congress can come to know the Lord, and the Bible will once again be the constitutional foundation of this nation. I'm just foolish enough to believe it. Because here's my prayer to God. I don't like where America's going. So God, use me to get it back with you. Use me. And I know you're thinking, who are you to pray that kind of prayer? You think you can take back America for God? Baby, you better believe it. Because God told me that we were going to have a great move in this nation. And he's already promised, I'm going to be right smack dab in the middle of whatever he's about to do. I'm ready for it. How about you? I'm ready to see our homes come back. I'm tired of seeing the devil stomp all over our homes, stealing the innocence of our kids. I'm tired of it. But we sit back as Christians saying, Lord, come quickly. No, God's saying, get out there and break for me and watch me do something tremendous. Stand to your feet. Can you just praise the Lord that he has not given up on you yet? God still believes in you. God still believes in you. He's placed a treasure. He's placed an anointing. You have an unction. 
You have an anointing that is going to break the devil's stronghold in your own life and in your family's life. Church, the world is waiting for us to stand again and come against the attackers. We once were attacked. We once were the victims. But now I'm more than a conqueror and a victor through Jesus. So I'm going to get as many as I can before the Lord shows up. It's all about reaching the lost. We've got to get them out of their sin and bring them into where God is. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Lord, talk to your people. Reveal to them what you have revealed to me, Lord. Let them burn. Let them just be a raging inferno of power and grace and love. That, Lord, through their eyes, they see the deep impact of sin and depression and anger and sickness and we look at it and we call it out. And we command it in Jesus' name by the power we possess to set the captive free. Come on, church, you really need to pray now. God's up to something. He's doing something. This may be Wednesday, but to God there is no time. He knows what he's up to. He wants to do something in your life. God's been waiting for this breaking point. He's been waiting for you to say, yes, God, this is it. I'm going to change. I'm going to leave everything that's not of you, and I'm going to start marching forward. I'm never going to look back because there was nothing back there worth looking at. I'm tired of teen suicides. I'm tired of, of agendas being forced down our throats. I'm tired of the lies coming from the seats of power. I'm tired of being sold a bill of goods. It is no good. I'm ready to start telling everybody about the true report that says Jesus Christ is alive and well, that he is risen from the dead, and he can bring us out of the dead. He can bring us out of our man-made graves that we've fallen in, waiting for people just to bury us because we've given up. If you're here tonight and you just felt like giving up, can I tell you, the Lord brought you here for this purpose. It's not your time to give up. It's your time to get up. I want you to get up and get down here if you feel God pulling you to this altar. God, I pray, loose them. Loose them. Don't let them be inhibited. Don't let them be intimidated. But Lord, let them fill this place, and then you fill them up. Come forward, church. Let's just pray. God, do something in me. Do something new in me. Do something great in me. I don't want to live in mediocrity anymore, Lord. I want to, I want to be the master. I want to be diminutive and, and be dominating and, and knowing that I'm on my way with you and doing what I'm called to do. If you're spirit-filled, I want you to begin to let the Holy Spirit tap that Adam that's in you. Let him just put his finger on him. Let him breathe on that ember that's about to go out. And let that unction begin to burn again like it used to burn. God, I want you to let your power rage in me. Lord, I want the devil to know that I'm alive and well and I'm not giving up. I thank you, Jesus, that you've given me my drive back. I thank you, you've given me my ambition back. I thank you, Jesus, that you didn't quit on me when I was ready to quit myself. I thank you that your word has came alive to me tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for an eruption of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that that atom is now being torn, that, Lord, it's being released. Every power in heaven is now loosed in him right now. In the name of Jesus, why not her, God? You have created her to be special. You created her to be a destiny bringer. You created her to be a mountain mover. Lord, right now, I loose that Adam in Jesus' name. Breathe. Let her burn. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that this baby is going to know and experience God at a young age. Lord, because it's going to just filter through the mom. Lord, it's going to have such an overwhelming impact that he will not be stopped. And Lord, you're going to take this child and you're going to use this to be your wonderful word of God. To preach, to teach, to pray. I declare it in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, church, you're not there yet. You're not letting your guard down. You've got trust issues, but you can trust God. He'll never mislead you. He'll never miscommunicate. You'll never miss his mark. Just let your guard down and say, yes, yes, I'm ready, God. I'm ready to be used. Lord, whatever you're about to do in this country, I want to be in the middle of it. I don't want to be running for shelter. I want to get out in the rain. I want to be in the middle of all you're doing. Blessed be God. Well, there's something good in you, girl. There's something so great in you. It's, it's buried under a lot of junk right now. It's buried. That treasure God laid in your heart is buried under a lot of stuff. But I, I sense the Holy Spirit is just brushing all of that out of your life. And finally, you're beginning to get a glimpse of the greatness God placed in you. You knew a long time ago you were going to do some amazing things. But then the world came in and just covered it all up. God says, I'm moving all of that trash out. And now I see that you are clean in my sight. When I look at you, I see the blood. I see that you're righteous and you're worthy to be called my worker, my mouthpiece, and my servant. Now he wants you to just let go and let him just erupt in you and everything and everybody around you is going to be changed forever. You're, you're timid. But God says, I am going to use you in such a dramatic way that people are going to know that it's me doing it, that you are not the one manufacturing this. It's going to be me because they don't expect it out of you. And that's the reason I've chosen you to do some great, great things. So I want you to just get ready because everywhere you walk, it's not going to be you walking there. It's going to be God walking through you. He's going to be God living in the midst of your home. He's going to be God working with you where you work, where you shop. It's going to be God shopping there because he's going to just come into your life and make things newer and brighter and clearer. You've been asking God for a while what you can do for him. He just simply says, just say yes to me and I'll take care of the rest. To say yes. And don't be afraid of what you're going to say and how you're going to look. God's not going to embarrass you. He doesn't embarrass you. He knows you're timid and shy, but he's not going to let that become your superior. He is going to let his spirit become your superior. And in due seasons, he's going to use you to declare and to pray and to see miracles and souls one to the kingdom. That's your calling. That is what he wants you to do. So just let him in. Just say, okay, God, today. I don't care who it is I have to talk to. I'm not going to say no to you, Lord. If I feel the unction, I'm going to go through with it because you've planted me where you wanted me to be.